the line. Live on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 106.7 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird soloing on the line today is my good buddy and co-host. Uh, Jacob Goins is on the road doing a little Lee Scott baseball at Glenwood today. Um, exciting time as baseball season at the high school level and the college level. It's it's underway and everybody is uh, getting their seasons off the ground and rolling uh, exciting time in the area right now. I mean, the NCAA tournament gets rolling tonight, and that reminds me that if you want to get in on the basketball mayhem, um, go to the ESPN AU website or Radio Alabama, and you can get involved in the bracket pick'em challenge that we have. Uh, you've got it appears one day, twenty hours, and fifty-six minutes to enter your bracket into uh, the Bracket Mayhem sponsored by the Orthopedic Clinic. Uh, So that's a great opportunity to get involved with um, the listeners of this station and Radio Alabama. Uh, If you want to throw your hat in the ring to compete against everybody and uh, have a chance to win some some, uh, prizes along the way, but yes, the NCAA Tournament gets rolling tonight as the first four teams, the first two games of the first four in Dayton get rolling uh, as 16 seed. Uh, the 16 seed matchup is between Southeastern Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Uh, and then there's an 11 seed matchup between Pittsburgh and Mississippi State out of the SEC. That'll be a great matchup as well. I know a lot of uh, people out there picking brackets believe that those uh, that Pitt team, that Mississippi State team, might make some noise because they're matched up with uh, Iowa State in the first round on Thursday. So that'll be exciting to keep track of uh, with what happens tonight because March Madness is here. It is here, and uh, everybody's picking their brackets. It's the biggest talking point in sports. Uh, and, of course, with that, the the NIT gets rolling tonight as well. I think there you're, that's a chance to see some notable snubs of the NCAA tournament with Rutgers and Vanderbilt. And also, I think uh, Jelly Walker and UAB take on Southern Miss tonight as well. So an opportunity to see one of the most uh, intriguing, electrifying players in college basketball in that uh, matchup tonight as well. Auburn baseball is in action tonight as they look to bounce back off of its series loss to Southeastern, where they dropped the two games of the doubleheader uh, on Saturday, and they are back in action tonight at home against a very solid Georgia Tech team, uh, a Georgia Tech program that historically is pretty good and that's a pretty great series obviously you look back at uh, a few years ago Auburn went to the Georgia Tech Regional 
and was able to walk it off with the Stephen Williams home run, and it put them into uh, the winner's bracket of the regional where they ended up winning the bracket and going on to the College World Series. That Georgia Tech team has had a pretty quick start to their season uh, along with Auburn. Auburn is, I believe, 10-2-1, I believe. Um, Georgia Tech is 13-3 and this year. Uh, a couple of those losses coming to an SEC rival of Auburn's in Georgia. They just took a series against Notre Dame this past weekend, so a great matchup tonight on the baseball diamond. Uh, friends uh, or friend of the show, Brad Law, I know he will be calling uh, that game along with, I'm assuming, Andy, Andy Burcham has not left for Birmingham yet. That'll be a lot of fun to keep track of tonight. But still, the dominant story in sports is this NCAA tournament uh, bracket that everybody has, and everybody is uh, picking their matchups. We know Auburn has Iowa on Thursday in the 8-9 matchup in Birmingham. Uh, 5.50 tip for that game, and a great opportunity, and I really, I still think it's a great matchup for this Auburn team in my mind. I know that I was not, they're not the biggest team when you look at them uh, this year. They're, they're pretty, they've been pretty inconsistent when you watch them as well. You look at um, the lack of size, their, their big man is Philip Rebracha, 6'9", 222 pounds. He is a pretty good scorer. He's 14-point-per-game guy, 7.6 rebounds. He's a pretty good player, but it's not one of those big men that we've seen Auburn really struggle with this year, these super physical, big, uh, muscular bigs that really out-physical Auburn's bigs in Janai Broom, in uh, Jalen Williams, and Dylan Cardwell. So I feel good about that if you're an Auburn supporter knowing that this Auburn team should not get just out-muscled down low. I think that they can hold their own. There's not a ton of size out there. You've, you've of course, got the McCaffrey brothers, uh, son of head coach Fran McCaffrey on this team. Patrick McCaffrey's probably the next tallest guy you're going to see in this rotation for Iowa, but even he's he's not a big body you expect to uh, bang down low and be super physical. If anything, he likes to look for his shot from from deep a little bit more as he is a 34.7% three-point shooter shooting about four three-pointers per game. This Iowa team, when you look at them, they have a lot of guys that really like to shoot, and that's um, something that Auburn, we know Auburn does well. Auburn guards the three extremely well. They're one of the best in the country at that. They're the fifth best three-point defense in America, allowing just 28.8% of opposing threes to be made. Um, they're a pretty good two-point defense in the top 50 as well. As we know, Auburn, Auburn has hung its hat this year on the defensive end of the floor. This Iowa team, they'll push the pace. They'll shoot threes. Um, the percentage doesn't blow you away. They're kind of middle of the pack at 34.3%, uh, but they still are the number three offensive team 
when you adjust it, uh, adjusted offensive efficiency on Kimpom. They're a really good offensive team. The best offense in the Big Ten. Where they run into trouble is they're not that great of a defensive team coming out of a conference that is known for its defense, that's known for its rock fights um, in the league. And you've seen so many of those games, whether it be Northwestern Wisconsin or uh, we've seen um, Rutgers. Rutgers is one of the best examples of that in that league where they had an incredible record when they held opponents below 65 points. Uh, But this Iowa team defensively is the second worst defense in the Big Ten. They allow the highest, they allow a lot of three-pointers to be made. They allow a lot of two-point shots to be made. They're allowing their opponents to shoot 40.1% in conference play in Big Ten play. So that's something when you look at this Auburn team. We know Auburn, if you look at the base-level analytics, shoots the three at 31.4%. That is 314th in the nation. It's not very good. There's only 363 teams out there. But when you look at from that uh, road Tennessee game on, Auburn's been around a 38% three-point shooting team, one of the best going into Auburn's game against Arkansas. They were the best team in the SEC over that stretch. I think if Auburn shoots the ball from deep the way that they have recently, I like the opportunities Auburn is going to get in this matchup. They're going to have uh, the chance to shoot shoot it well from deep. Um, They're going to have the ability to dump it into Jani Broom and let him go to work. Uh, Jalen Williams, a guy who had a difficult game this past time out, I think he'll have an opportunity to bounce back um, with the fact that he was, I believe, one of six against Arkansas from the field, 0 of 2 from 3, just had six points. This could be a game where I could see Jalen Williams um, doing some of the things that we've come to expect of Jalen Williams this year and really uh, have a breakout kind of performance. And, And I could see him scoring 20 points. And as long as you're getting... Great production out of Katie Johnson off the bench. I think this Auburn team has a chance to be more dangerous than some people think. There's a lot of people talking about um, does Auburn deserve that nine seed? Uh, Should Auburn be in Birmingham? That's a talking point you've seen. Uh, Houston, they've talked about that when they were talking about the uh, NCAA tournament. You saw Kelvin Sampson say, well, maybe we should have been a nine seed because maybe then we would be playing so close to home. Um, I kind of roll my eyes at that. I think this is just a luck of the draw thing. When you look at Auburn, Auburn's resume very easily could be a lot better than it is right now. When you look at the fact that you look at all those close losses on the road, the three-point loss at West Virginia, the three-point loss at Tennessee, the the five-point loss at Texas A&M. Uh, you even take Alabama to overtime. A lot of these games, the Vanderbilt game, you lose by two. These games could have fallen the other way. And if they would have fallen the other way, we're not talking about a nine-seed Auburn. We're talking about a much higher-seeded Auburn. I don't think Auburn is one of those teams uh, like in the 2020 um the 2020-2021 season 
That Auburn team, there is a metric on Kim Palm called luck, which is how are you outperforming your um, your advanced metrics and and what is and that Auburn team was I think number one in the country. I I do believe they were one of the luckiest teams in the country. Uh, I think it was that 2020 year actually. They were the fifth, the seventh luck team in the country. This year, if you look at that metric, um, Auburn's kind of an unlucky squad. They've they've out their metrics have outperformed what their record should be. They're two hundred fifty seventh. They're one of the more unlucky teams in the country. So when you look at that, I think it's a little overblown. This idea that um, Auburn got some sort of advantage or preferential treatment by getting the nine seed in Birmingham. It's fortunate, yes. But if you're a one seed in Houston, you should be able to handle uh, whoever you see in that second round, the eight or nine seed. I know upsets happen. I know upsets happen all the time. But you should expect that if you're the one one seed in your region, you can handle business in that one. Uh, I'm looking forward to this matchup. I really am. Uh, I think we're going to throw to our first break. When we come back, I think Jack Hutton uh, is going to call in, and we're going to have him on the show to talk about Auburn baseball, Auburn football, because spring practice is still going on, and some Auburn basketball. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show uh, as Jacob Goins is on the road calling some Lee Scott baseball. And uh, we're joined by my good buddy and after the game co-host Jack Hudden on the line. Jack, welcome in, buddy. How are you? Hey, bud. How you doing? Doing all right, man. Um, you know, it's been an eventful day, uh, prepping for the show and everything. Um, but yeah, hey, let's let's dive into it, Jack. Because I'm curious. I'm curious about your thoughts about this Auburn Iowa game uh, taking place on Thursday. What do you think about Auburn's draw? First of all, what do you think about them getting that nine seed? I know that you your metrics because uh, you you run some simulations on your own. Thought Auburn got a little bit of a favorable draw. What are your thoughts about Auburn and this Iowa matchup and this potential uh, to really get have some home court advantage in Birmingham in these first couple rounds? Well, you're not kidding. I think the Birmingham draw is one of the biggest pieces of news that this Auburn basketball team could have gotten when they did. Uh, you know, coming off of the last few games where they've played some tough competition um, and they've really, I mean, they did two of those away from home. You know, they did um, one of them in a hostile Coleman Coliseum. You do get the Tennessee game in Neville, but then you go up to Nashville, and in those three games, you put up 73, 75, 79 points. And so the offense is starting to click, and it's against teams that are ranked in the top 20 in, in Ken Palm defensive metrics. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure that, you know, there's the narrative going around right now that Auburn can't score. And I think for a lot of the season that was true, but Agreed. we start to see them put it in the basket a little bit more over these last few games. A hundred percent. I think you got to wonder: does that keep up against an Iowa team that is very good on offense, but not 
very good at all on defense. I mean, they're they're ranking in like the three hundreds in effective field goal percentage for um, each of their for their yeah. opponent. So. They are, know, they are shockingly bad for a Big Ten school on the defensive end, and especially when you look at the the percent that opponents shoot against them. I mean, opponents shoot thirty six point six percent from three for the for the entire season, over forty percent in Big Ten play um, from three, and we know that. The, I mean, that's probably a better comparison for this matchup because it's another high major conference, another good league in the Big Ten. And we know that they allow 52.6% of opposing two-point field goals to be made in conference plate. That goes up as well to 54.5. Like, opponents shoot really, really well against this Iowa team, and I think that has to do with the lack of size and physicality and maybe, maybe a lack of athleticism. And when you look at this team, this is a team that had a lottery pick last year in Keegan Murray, who's a great player. His twin brother is on this team in Chris Murray. Really good player, good scorer, a guy who averages over 20 points a game. Probably one of the better um, offensive playmakers Auburn's going to see this year. But it's not going to be this thing that Auburn has not seen this year. I mean, Auburn's played Brandon Miller twice, who's about as good of an offensive player as there is in the country. We've seen Auburn play teams like this Iowa team, and I kind of like this matchup, buddy. I I don't disagree with you, man. And, and you know, for a few days now, just kind of looking at social media and uh, different, you know, TV outlets that are coming on saying stuff about this game, you know, a lot of experts are, are just kind of going with, oh, Iowa's great on offense, Auburn can't score, Iowa's going to outscore them, and you know, it may end up being the case, but the more and more, like you say, I'm looking, the more and more I'm looking at some of these matchups, I don't think that Auburn is, is necessarily, I don't think that it's a bad thing that Auburn got this Iowa team when it did. I mean, yeah. You know, now you're looking at an Auburn team that is starting to score the ball well against a, a really bad Iowa defense, and you're looking at a really good Iowa offense against a really good Auburn defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at some of the other eight seeds Auburn could have drawn, an Arkansas team that just out-physicaled you, and we, can, and we can talk about that in a second because I haven't gotten your opinions on uh, that game from, from last Thursday. A Memphis team that we know pressures the ball, forces turnovers, and we saw how, what Kendrick Davis did uh, to Auburn when they met in a neutral site game over in Atlanta this year. And a Maryland team that's a really veteran team. They've got five seniors in those first six players that uh, come out on the court. They got a really athletic, physical big man. Um, I think of the eight seeds, Iowa is the one that if you had asked me to pick, I would have picked Iowa 100 times out of 100 for Auburn to be matched up with. I agree. I, I specifically agree with that point that um, I think Iowa is, I think Iowa fits Auburn. Matchup wise, just because Auburn's going to be able to do a lot more things on the inside that we've seen them struggle with at times against bigger SEC opponents. You know, you you see teams like Vanderbilt with Liam Roberts, Kentucky with Oscar Shebway, um, you know, Mississippi State with Tolu Smith gave you some trouble. And Iowa doesn't really have that dominant big man on the inside. I know they have Chris Murray down there, but he kind of plays that three four hybrid position, if you will. Um, and I think that that's something that you know, maybe 
you put Jalen Williams on him. Uh, maybe you give Chris Moore a go at him at times. You know, it's just kind of something where I think you're going to be able to. He's not anything that you haven't seen in the SEC this year yet. Yeah. Um, so I think you've you've been against that competition, and I think Auburn is going to be bigger on the inside, maybe not on the outside, because I think the Iowa guards um, with their could give you some trouble. Of course, you've got. Um, it's mm-hmm. not Christian McCaffrey. Um, or Connor. Is Christian McCaffrey, Connor. Connor McCaffrey, that's right. Um, you've got Connor McCaffrey, who's 6'6", out there on the wing. Um, and so he's a longer guard. Uh, you got a couple other guys that are long guards I think could give Auburn some trouble. But, again, we've seen these Auburn guards the last few weeks score against these longer, more athletic guards. And so, you know, maybe they're figuring something out. Um, and it, I just, it, to me, I see a good offense and a good defense coming into its own for Auburn. I see a good offense, a great offense from Iowa, but I see a really bad defense from Iowa, and that's what I think has me leaning towards Auburn in this matchup. When when we look at this Auburn team, we know how they played to finish the year in those last two games, and then you felt really good going into the SEC tournament. I want to bring it back to, because you and I have not had the chance to talk about it, what were your thoughts about Auburn's performance in the SEC tournament against Arkansas? Because I'll be honest, man, I was proud of the fight by some of the guards, like a Katie Johnson, but boy, I was really frustrated with Auburn's effort down low. Yeah, uh, I think the frustration that has come up with, really with Jalen Williams, uh, is apparent in this one once again. I mean, it's the it's the lack of him kind of taking initiative down low. I guess is how I would describe that. Um, you know, all year long, it's kind of been this. You need more from Jalen. You need more from Jalen. And then in the games that you get more from him, you're right there. I mean, Tennessee, um, of course, he, he has a big day. Against Alabama, a couple of times, really played well in those games. Uh, the games where he doesn't play well, you're noticing that it, just not much happened. I mean, he, he doesn't play very well when Ole Miss comes to town, and uh, lo and behold, Ole Miss almost upsets you. Um, has a not very stellar night against Arkansas, and a lot of fans, I think, now are starting to – kind of say that, well, if Williams gives you anything on that night, you probably win that game with yeah. how Katie Johnson was playing. Um, with how Katie uh, Johnson was spectacular in that game. And, I, and yeah. I, I've been so critical of him this year that I do want to give him the recognition he deserves because he willed you back in that game in the second half. He had 14 points in the second half, 4 of 7 from the field, 1 of 2 from 3, 5 of 6 at the free throw line, he was the catalyst that allowed Auburn to take a lead there late. Uh, when you look at Jalen, and there's a quote that I found from from Saturday after the game when he was meeting with the uh, media when when the, when in the post game press conference, he had a quote where he told Ira Bowman to not put him back in the game because he wasn't doing much, and he said to keep Chris in there because Chris was out there making plays. I know the production doesn't show it. How do you feel about that quote? Because for me, Jack, even though Chris was playing well, and even though Jalen had a cold start, you and I both agree with this. We've talked about this before. I think Jalen Williams is the most talented player on the team. I want my most talented guy out there. I want him to have that killer instinct that, hey, I can start cold. It doesn't matter. I can get it right, and I can help this team win. Absolutely. Um, And I can't remember where I was was – and I probably said it to you, uh, but that quote was very indicative of 
the same issue that you've been seeing from, from Jalen this year is there's not really the killer instinct, the alpha mentality that, that you want to see from a guy with his skill level. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's certainly one thing to commend him for that kind of, I guess, being a good teammate is what you want to call it. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I certainly commend that part of it. You know, that's good to know that these guys can see, hey, this is what's helping us tonight. Let's go with this route. But, man, like, that's just something that I would, I would rather hear from, you know, maybe a guy that's a sixth or seventh man that is yeah. giving up some minutes for an eighth man. I don't want to hear that from my guy who is supposed to be, you know, probably my best player on the floor uh, when you look Agreed. at overall production. Um, what I will say, though, about Katie Johnson is that that is what you and I really have, mm-hmm. have really been calling for. Is you need him to step up. He is the X factor. If he plays well, you got a shot at anything, and I think that that gives a lot of energy to Auburn. Yeah. Well, Jack, you're going to stick with us here for another segment here on On the Line. We're going to talk a little bit more Auburn basketball and maybe some Auburn spring football. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show. Jacob Goins on the road calling Lee Scott Baseball. Joined by my good buddy Jack Hudden, where we're talking a little Auburn basketball. And Jack, I know that the music, uh, our, our break kind of cut you off. I was curious if you if you had any more thoughts there when you were talking about Katie Johnson that you wanted to hit about this Auburn team, specifically about this this Iowa matchup before we move on to a little bit of baseball. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, just kind of rounding out the, the point I was making there is that I really think if you're taking an X factor on this team right now, I think it's obvious that you know, sure, your guys like Jalen Williams, Alan Flanagan, you want those guys to play well. I think Katie Johnson playing well takes this team to another level. Um, I think the energy that he plays with and his ability to get to the rim and, and put up games like we saw the other night, um, I, I just think that that is what could make Auburn go a lot further in this tournament than people think. Um, I mean, you know, you, you if you get through Iowa – you're probably going to have a second-round matchup against a Houston team that is going to be longer than you and is going to be really physical. Can Auburn find a way with some of their energy um, and you know, kind of that bulldog mentality of KD Johnson? You know, if he could get going, create some steals, create some points at the rim, um, you know, maybe that allows you to go further than anybody thinks you can in this thing. And so, um, I'm looking for him to kind of, you know, keep that momentum going with, that he had the other night uh, against Arkansas. And I was glad that it came up then because it's kind of given you that momentum going into this thing, and you wonder if he can keep it going. Yeah, when when I look at KD Johnson, I feel like there was a lot of talk about the the changes he made to his three point shot. He started. Bruce talked about how KD started working on getting more air on the ball, and his three point shot has come to life over the past few weeks. And I think it's just unlocked his the full potential of his game, his ability yeah. to get downhill, his ability to get to the free throw line more consistently. He's become a really good sixth man as a result. And I think as long as he's playing that way and you get high-level production out of your your 
other, your four starters that you previously, before KD got rolling, you basically had to rely on for all of your point scoring, which is Wendell Green, Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, and Alan Flanagan. If you get those guys playing the way that they have, um, if you get them playing at a high level, and you still get this KD Johnson, um, this production that we've seen, I really think that it's not unheard of to think this Auburn team can make a sneakier, deep run. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying too. I, I, I think that I think the pieces are there, and while they haven't been what you thought all season, the we've seen each of the individual pieces, you know, at their full potential before. And I think, you know, I mean, you look back at the Missouri game when things kind of just went your way from the start in that mm-hmm. one and never really gave up. Um, I thought the second half of Tennessee, you know, that was when Auburn really turned it on to another level defensively. Um, and so just a lot of things that are starting to happen or kind of happening late at the end of the season here are good things for this Auburn team. And, you know, yes, they lose to Arkansas the other night. They go down um, after a big run by the Hogs. They go down like 15. And then all of a sudden it's a daggum nine-point game, and then it gets down to a four-point game, and Auburn kind of plays with that for a while, and all of a sudden they got the lead with a minute left. So, um, you know, they put together a run, and that's what you got to do in postseason basketball um, just to kind of round things out on KD and, you know, his shot. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think that three-point shot has, has kind of made him come to life a little bit more. Um, if you get the if you get the same shooting ability, if you get the same scoring ability, I mean, I just think that, He's one of those streaky players where once one thing goes right for him, everything starts to go right for him. And, oh, yeah. You know, I think I would be okay with, I think right now, and especially the other night, I think this was the plan at first, I'm okay with KD Johnson taking the last shot at the end of a game if it comes down to Agreed. it. Um, Agreed. Agreed. I, I think he's played and shot well enough over the past week and a half that, that that's okay to say now. And that's, and that's something that Alan Flanagan talked about yesterday in his media availability. And we, got, we have some audio that we're going to play uh, later in the show about there have been discussions about final shot opportunities. And Alan talked about how he's going to be ready for that opportunity if his name is called upon. But you talk about that the, the way Katie played in the second half and the way he just willed Auburn back in the game. There is a run there where Alan Flanagan and Katie Johnson score, I believe, um, I believe it's 19 consecutive points for all. Like, well, I mean, Arkansas scores during that time, yes. But they combined for 19 points in a row for Auburn, and nobody else was doing anything. So those two guys really buoyed you in the second half and, and allowed you to bounce back from that slow start and where you were getting out-rebounded and you still ended up getting smoked on the boards I thought it was really key to see those guys uh perform in the second half if they can keep that up moving into the NCAA tournament I feel pretty good about the other guys bouncing back but Jack let's let's transition to another Auburn sport Auburn baseball dropped its first series of the year this past weekend against southeastern Louisiana dropping both games of the Saturday doubleheader uh eight to three and eight to seven uh, what did you see out of those guys this past weekend, and how can they bounce back with what's a really challenging week against Georgia Tech tonight and on the road at Arkansas? Well, Carter, I think you probably are, are going to know as good as anybody 
that it is darn near impossible to play your best baseball every single time out. I mean, there's Absolutely. so many games in a baseball season. Um, and I think that especially in double headers, maybe when you get, you know, those last few innings of that first game, maybe they don't go your way. That can kind of sort of set the mood in the locker room for a night and things don't really go your way in the second game. Auburn tried to pull one of the coolest comebacks I've ever seen uh, in baseball. <laughs> they, they kind of fooled around with one out and, and they got up to two outs. And then all of a sudden it was like everything was dropping and everybody was walking when they went up to plate. Um, you know, Dern near won the series doing that. But, you know, I just, I chalked that up, I think, to the fact that Auburn is missing four key pieces right now. You've got Joseph Gonzalez, uh, Tommy mm-hmm. Sheehan, those are two guys who you thought were going to be, you know, give you a lot of innings uh, to start the year from them on the mound. And then two starters, two everyday guys in the field you didn't have for that doubleheader. You didn't have Bobby Pierce, um, didn't have Cole Foster. They're dealing with some things. I think they're both ready to go again uh, as, far as, as far as I know. Um, and I also think that you could see Joseph Gonzalez. I actually think that you could see him find his way into maybe 30 or 40 pitches this weekend against Arkansas. Um, I know he threw a bullpen the other day, and uh, they're, they're trying to move him along for that. So I mean, for, uh, we'll for him, it's not unheard of to think that he can get four innings out of that. Well, and I wonder, and it'll be something, something interesting to watch tonight in this game, is, you know, Butch Thompson before has pitched guys that are going to pitch on the weekend. He's giving them an inning or two during the midweek to just try and get the, some live ABs back under their belt to where, okay, they can come back a little bit sooner rather than wait till the next weekend. So, um, okay. you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not predicting it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see Joseph Gonzalez out there maybe a seventh or eighth inning tonight in a close game. Yeah, that would certainly be interesting. Something to keep an eye on as this Auburn team tries to get back to full strength uh, for the start of conference play, that's certainly I know we know it's an Auburn team that we think has a really high ceiling, but there's some unproven pieces that have been having to figure it out, and then you've had a little bit of the injury bug here early uh, has affected this team, but they've really done a pretty good job powering through that with their twelve three and one record. I'm I'm pretty encouraged by the way that they've. Uh, figured out ways to win games while not being at full strength. Yeah, definitely. And the, the Southeastern Louisiana team that you saw, I mean, that was that's a team who, you know, last season they come in and are their conference champion. They come into Auburn and, you know, they have a quick exit. But that goes to show you that that's an NCAA tournament team. Yeah. Um, they are, they're proven. They got a lot of guys back from that squad last year. Um, and they came into Auburn and – I think caught Auburn on a day, not even a day, but really the last 13, 14 innings or so um, where, you know, Auburn just didn't have their best stuff. They kind of got down on themselves, I think, after the way that that first game ended. I just kind of chalked that up to a bad day of baseball and and you move on. And it's a shame that you had to to drop two in the loft column for it. But um, I I don't think that it's indicative of how this Auburn team is going to play. Arkansas, you know, going going up to Fayetteville this weekend, uh, Arkansas is kind of banged up too. They got a couple um, of on the year, uh, you know, a couple of their relievers um, are not going to be able to go the rest of the year. I think it was Brady Taggart who's going to be out uh, for the rest of the season. Um, you know, you look at a couple of position players they won't have this weekend. Um, they do bring in a guy, Jared Wegner from Creighton, who 
just lit the world on fire last season and has been good so far. So um, he's an outfielder. I, I wonder how much Auburn uh, kind of pitches to him, gives him to hit in this series, uh, giving that their pitching depth is not going to be what they're hoping it to be moving forward. But, I mean, look, you know, Tommy Vale, come on for you on the pitching rubber. Tanner Ballman's been good. If you can get something out of Joseph Gonzalez, uh, this weekend, I think you got a good chance of, of going and winning that series for the first time in a while in Fayetteville. Yeah, that that'd be something if Auburn figured out a way to to go win that series, especially if they could pick up this midweek game against Georgia Tech tonight. That'd be a successful week, no doubt about it. Um, Jack, when you kind of switching gears again, Auburn football. They had the the week of spring break off from spring practice. They've they finished the first week of. Uh, spring ball before spring break. Now they're back. Um, have, what have you heard about this this Auburn team? How they're progressing, and uh, is there anything that stands out to you right now about this Auburn team? I think the only thing that's really jumping out at me that is kind of making me, um, I guess, inquisitive is this the quarterback battle. I guess if yeah. you want to call it, I don't know if it's a battle yet because um, I don't know if. And, and you and I have both said this, I'm not sure if Auburn's quarterback in 2023 is even on the roster yet. Um, if you're asking me, I'm saying the, the starting quarterback in 2023 is not on Auburn's roster right now. That's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's what I agree with, too. Um, and so I'm not sure how much of it is to go by, but I have been a little bit – that's been kind of odd for me is, is hearing Hugh Freeze's comments on that. Um, you know, he continues to say that – you know, it's just quarterback room. It started with the quarterback room. has got to mature. Um, yep. Yesterday, and, and I don't, um, I, I listened to a few of his comments yesterday just on his uh, interview, and he seemed to kind of say that, well, the quarterbacks were doing some good things, but there's, he mentioned that there's also some, some, some not so good things, I think is how he termed it. And so, you know, that, I don't know um, how much Hugh Freeze is going to be into that kind of coach speak narrative, but. That's definitely not coach speak when you're you're saying, well, there were some good things, and then there were some not so good things that happened. That tends to be sort of lending itself to say, yeah, we got a long ways to go. Um, so I don't know. That that's the only concern I have. I will say that I think the confidence is is starting to soar in that locker room with this defense. Um, I think this yeah. Auburn defense is going to be really talented in 2023. We'll see if it all comes together. But um, you know, he seemed very very optimistic about Auburn's defense in 2023. Um, look, I think if this Auburn team can get the production that they think they're going to get out of some of these new offensive line transfers, um, you know, you get what you think you're going to get out of Jarquez Hunter and that backfield, and then you find a quarterback that fits Hugh Freeze's system. You know, I still think that this Auburn team can, can make some noise in 23 and really set itself up well for 24. Um, to be honest, you know, this – the question of Hugh Freeze, you know, being the right man for the job, I sure am liking what he's saying in a lot of these. I don't think yeah. that he sugarcoats things, but I also don't think that he's, you know, completely, you know, woe is me, all oh, the, the entire world is burning, we're on fire, we're not going to be able to get out of it. You know, I think he's been very real with the media, but but also very optimistic, and I, I like that in a coach. I, I would rather a coach come out with that kind of attitude than just the, the coach speak that, you know, we got accustomed to for a few years there. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think that from talking to people, there's a lot to be excited about. The one place of worry for me is that quarterback position 
because I have not heard glowing things about those three right now. Uh, a guy who I thought was going to be a dark horse to to make some noise in the spring, Holden Gurner. I don't think I haven't heard great things about him, but I I am encouraged when I when I, with what I hear about the defensive line, what I hear about the offensive line, uh, the the receivers. I think they're progressing well. Um, I did find it interesting that Keldrick Falk is already working with the first team uh, at Jack. I think that's certainly encouraging with the. Um, very, I mean, he's a lot bigger than they thought he was going to be. He's a lot more athletic. He's a lot stronger. It's encouraging to see a guy like that making an impact. Um, something I'm going to keep an eye on, though, on the defensive end is that linebacker position. Uh, yeah, some some good gonna, things about that. yeah, some good things about Robert Wood Woodyard. Some good things about Demario Tolan. Um, but Austin Keys is the guy who I'm waiting to hear some buzz about that hasn't exactly. I uh, haven't heard much yet, but that's going to be somebody who I expect when it's all said and done to be in that starting rotation for this Auburn team. Uh, but I, I agree with you. I think this defense has a chance to be very, very good. Uh, well, Jack, hey, man, we we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate you coming on and talking a little Auburn athletics. Uh, where can uh, everybody keep up with you and all your stuff? I know you have – uh, some good stats every now and then on on Twitter, buddy. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at uh, at Jack Hudson twelve. Uh, that's J A C K H U D O N, and then and then the number twelve one two. Um, yeah, just you know, I kind of speak my mind sometimes on there with some stats that I find interesting. Um, I also do some like uh, March Madness kind of tournaments, um, bracket stuff. You know, I make my own projections and. Um, had Auburn as a 10 seed this year, so I was pleasantly surprised on uh, Collection Sunday when they got that at 9. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we do that. And then uh, you can hear me on WLE 96.3 um, for Auburn High School softball. Also do Auburn High School basketball um, when that season will come back around. But uh, keep an eye out on social media and other local listings for that. Well, Jack, appreciate you coming on, buddy. Uh, we will see you on Friday and hopefully talking about an Auburn win against Iowa and a matchup with Houston. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. That was Jack Hutton on uh, on the phone lines. We're going to head to our final break of hour number number one. When we come back, we'll wrap up hour number, number one and uh, get ready to play some audio to start hour number two of Bruce Pearl and some of the basketball players right here on On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show. Um, Really with uh, my good buddy Jacob Goins on the road getting ready to call some Lee Scott baseball that I think gets rolling here in about a little over 30 minutes. Um, as he'll be on the call. I think those will be on AU100. Uh, but just a couple minutes left here in hour number one. Um, talking about Auburn football, we just got off the line with Jack Hudden. Talking about this Auburn team, I think that this Auburn team, when you look, when you read into what's happening so far in spring practice, you got to be encouraged by the offensive line. The offensive line's been remade, recreated, uh, and they've played well, I think, through the first couple weeks. Uh, I think Nick Mardner's a guy I've heard a lot about with his his uh, 
his length, his catch radius, and his ability to um, make contested catches. I think Camden Brown is a guy uh, you need to look forward to seeing in the 2023 season as somebody who can significantly step up. I'd be shocked if he's not the number one wide receiver for this Auburn team. Uh, we know on the defensive end that those DBs are going to be very good with Jalen Simpson, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett, uh, a guy like Keontae Scott. I expect um, to see him out there a lot at nickel. I think he's an impact player. Um, and then when you look at uh, linebacker, I think it's going to be an interesting group. I think you're going to see Demario Tolan. I think he's going to be a little bit of an undersized linebacker, but I think he's so athletic and fast. I think he's going to give you maybe some shades of Zacoby McClain as a smaller linebacker that just makes a ton of plays. Robert Woodyard sounds like a guy who's really stepping up so far um, in spring practice. He'll be probably, if if they were to play today, if they were to play today, then I would expect um, Robert Woodyard to be the go-to starter next to Demario Tolan uh, at the linebacker position. The the defensive line, you've got guys like uh, Jason Jones who's making progress. We know how good Marcus Harris is, but I really like what I'm hearing about Jeffrey Imba and his ability to uh, play that defensive end position. He's getting some work at Jack, it sounds like. He's playing well in space. All of these things, you have to feel good about the early returns of spring practice. I still think Auburn will probably add a pass rusher in the May transfer portal. Um, but I really think that this Auburn team has a chance to be pretty good, a lot better than people expect in 2023. That's going to do it for hour number one. When we come back, we will head to the phone line. Shane is holding for us on the line. Shane, hang on. We want to give you your full amount of time here on On the Line. On ESPN 1067, Auburn sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goetz and Carter Bird. You're on the line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show with Jacob Goins on the road calling some Lee Scott baseball. And uh, we're going to start off hour number two going straight to the phone lines. As I know, Shane has been waiting patiently on line one. Shane, welcome in. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right, Shane. What you got for us? I was going to talk about that baseball game that from this past weekend mm-hmm. or games. Um, I've been to a lot of games, man, and I have never seen a uh, uh, a team that I there's it has been so annoying at your home field than that team was. Uh, it was more like a softball team, like in the dugout kind oh, of thing. Loud? You know, they were super loud <laughs> and like obnoxious. 
like 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 yelling at our, at our pitchers and so, like like the, the crowd did not phase them whatsoever, um, and like they, they were they seemed to be like getting under the skin of some of our some of our pitchers. We we had um we had I think it was well Saturday we went through everybody because it was the double hitter, but yep. kind of ran through the pitchers. You know they didn't really do too well on Saturday, so yeah. Uh, they were just obnoxious, as well as the uh, the fans that were there. There were two people that actually got in fights. Really, I did two not know that. Two different, two different. Uh, one there, and then one while uh, while we were leaving, uh, they they were they were getting they were getting thrown out. Was this southeastern Louisiana fans getting in fights? Yes, yes, uh, with uh, with the Auburn fans. There you go. All right, I did not know that. I was, um, I was out of town. I, d- I was not able to keep uh, too much of an eye on the Auburn baseball games this past week. But um, yeah, that sounds crazy. I mean, so are you saying that they're more or less annoying than Tennessee is? I don't know if you've watched them at all over yeah. the last couple of years. Um, I, I would say more. I would hate to have to go to their to to their part. To be yeah. honest, like if that's how they are with the small. I will say this too. There was a large amount of 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 their of their um of their play of their fans that that made the trip. Yeah, and and then since it was raining, it was like a you know the weather situation. Uh, a lot of Auburn fans just didn't didn't show up. So it was it was like for the second double hitter, um, it was about fifty fifty. Really. Crowd- that's surprising. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, good for southeastern Louisiana, I guess, for having a fan base that supports them. But uh, yeah, I, ha- I had not heard of that. I find that interesting that they were uh, that loud and the fan base was that rowdy. They were getting in fights with Auburn fans. That's, uh, I mean, I can't say I'm like overly shocked uh, for for a team from southeastern Louisiana, but uh, that's yeah. that's fascinating. And the, the the most, I guess the the biggest part was their their actual players while they were while they were batting, were just laying into our uh, our pitchers, and it, and it seemed to be getting hmm. to them. Um, so sounds like them, it. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it sounds like it as they were uh, able to put up sixteen runs on the final two games and um, sweep that doubleheader and hand Auburn its first. Series loss. I I am going to be very fascinated in the first real adversity that this Auburn team has faced this year. How they respond tonight against Georgia Tech in a game that, I mean, you may not see these teams aces on the on the mound, but um, it's a good team in Georgia Tech, and it's a uh, it's a good program, and I think it's a battle of two good programs in the ACC and the SEC. I think that if if we had not had a double hitter, I think if we had played a game on Sunday, I think we would have we would have come back and regrouped and won that game. But for whatever reason, we were just not feeling it on Saturday. And um, yeah, I don't know. I, I hate I hate that it was a double hitter because I, I really felt like like we would have um, came out in a different. You know, I don't know. I just felt like it would have been a little bit different if we had come out on uh, on Sunday and played, but. You know what it is, what it is. Yeah, so I, I really hope I want to see what they do against Georgia Tech. It's a it's it's in Atlanta, right? No, it's it, it's in Auburn tonight, I believe. Yeah. Uh, is my uh, looking at the schedule? It's at least at least listed at Auburn. Um, yeah, I think it's a first pitch at Plainsman Park at six p.m. tonight. Huh, okay, I might 
try to get over there then. There you go. There you go. All right, well, man. Uh, appreciate it, Shane. Yeah, man. War Eagle. War Eagle. Uh, let's head back to the phone line. We got Terry on line, too. Terry, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing good, Carter. How about you, buddy? Doing all right, Terry. What 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 do you got for us? Um, you're making comments about spring training now. The name I heard before the break was Ronaldo Fairweather. I kept hearing about them a ton. Yes, I I uh, mean I I still think he's going to be a very big part of this offense. I think he brings a skill set you have not seen at the tight end position uh, at Auburn in at least a long time. Uh, I think he's going to be. I mean, Auburn, I can't recall the last tight end Auburn's had that's had the athleticism that I think he will be able to, to run away from uh, a lot of defenders and a lot of a lot of linebackers that match up with him in coverage. And he's 6'5". Um, I heard that the first week of practice he was making a bunch of spectacular catches um, on some maybe higher-thrown balls by the quarterbacks. But I think he's going to be a very good player, Terry. Well, see, I like what you said about the quarterback not being on campus because I really don't believe they can win with those quarterbacks now. Now, Ashford, I think he can make some hay, but I'm I'm kind of tired hearing the the TJ Finley stuff. I look, um, things have been said. He's a fine. I'm sure he's a fine young man, but he's had chances at two schools, and he's the ultimate example of a look like Tarzan, play like Jane. As far as I'm concerned, something happens to that kid when he gets between the lines and the lights turn on. I just, he he, yeah. he practices well. It just that's that's not me speaking. That that's actually happened, folks. Well, I mean, Terry, right now, I don't think the quarterbacks have really gone any version of live. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's a lot of, at least in the media viewing periods, um, it appears that it's been a lot of kind of throwing routes on air. And with what we know about the skill set of T.J. Finley versus Robbie Ashford. It doesn't shock me that he, it certainly seems like with the fact that he's taken these first team reps, he's looked the better of the two so far. Because a lot of this in spring practice, when you're not letting the quarterbacks go live, you're eliminating Robbie Ashford's best, biggest advantage, which is his legs. Mm-hmm. Well, I like what you said about the quarterback not being on campus. I don't think he is either. But I also think T.J. Finley will be another school this time next year. I, I I don't think that that's a fair uh, like an unfair statement to to say. I mean I mean if he doesn't if he's not the starting quarterback in twenty twenty three. I mean, let's be honest. If if this staff comes to the quarterback room at at the end of spring and said, okay, hey, this is the hierarchy of the three of y'all, but we're still gonna go add one, maybe even two guys. I mean, if Auburn goes out and adds two guys, I expect. One or two of the current guys taking reps in practice, I expect them to hit the portal in May. Well, oh, Carter, do you stand by that with the Robbie Ashford as well? Because you know what? <laughs> Excuse me, eight or nine games last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it's it's. I don't know. It doesn't feel like Robbie has had a spectacular start to the Hugh Freeze era. Uh, it felt like there was an opportunity to to really. Um, it felt like with his skill set and how it fit in Hugh Freeze's offense, there was an opportunity to get out front in this race, and I don't think he has seized that opportunity, and I think that's why you're seeing T.J. Finley running with the one so far. Well, so I don't think he's over, overset enough. I've said it a ton. You guys know how I felt about Hugh Freeze. He was great. I think he's a great coach. Mm-hmm. But you're going from a staff that knows what they're doing and can't tr- tremendous talent to a guy that just wasn't happy here and wanted to leave. 
and it was a moron on top of that. So, um, you know, that, that's that's my point, is is now you got a guy who knows what he's doing, he knows what works, and he knows what it takes to win in this league. Yeah. I mean, I, when, when I look at, when I think about T.J. Finley, I go back to last year, um, some of the statements made publicly by his family, uh, social media posts by himself. Uh, there's the story that uh, Zach Blackerby at Locked On Auburn has said that is um, that he has said multiple times that T.J. Finley, Robbie Ashford got, got banged up. I want to say it was the Arkansas game at the end of the game. And they tried to put T.J. Finley in the game, and it was and T.J. Finley said no. And I don't think that sat particularly well in the locker room. I think some of the um, public statements by T.J. Finley and his camp, and um, some of the actions have not sat well in the locker room. And I just have a hard time believing that everybody in that locker room is going to get past it. Right. And last night, Carter, is there not enough film example of T.J. Finley at Auburn and at LSU that he just doesn't perform in games? Is that what, should people not see that? I mean, I I guess I, I guess the the thought process is T.J. Finley has yet well won as a freshman at LSU. He should not have been relied on to be thrown into the fire the way that he was, I and I don't think totally his agree. offensive line was all that great at LSU that year. We saw how Auburn got after him in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Um, I think that that's the type of thing that can set back a quarterback a little bit. And then last year, I think the argument is, uh, if you're looking for a pro-TJ Finley argument, he had a really, really bad offensive line. And so you do wonder... In a quarterback-friendly system um, with a coach who has done a really good job getting the most out of his quarterbacks with a revamped offensive line that I feel confident saying is going to be significantly better than the last two, three years at Auburn. If you have all of those factors, could he show you something? Because there are flashes. There are some good throws he makes in games. It's just not consistent enough. Carter, he's going to be a junior, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, he'll yes, be he a. Did I don't know if he played if, if he gets the uh, red shirt for. Here, yeah, no, he he redshirted last year. He'll be a redshirt sophomore, I think. Okay, well, the Carter, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, accepting different results, expecting different results. Excuse me. So that that's where I stand on that. It's just it's just it's just not going to work. I mean, I I don't disagree with you, Terry. I uh, that's why I. Remain firm in my belief that the starting quarterback for 2023 for the Auburn Tigers is not on campus currently, um, and I think that there may be – you're going to see movement in May. I don't know who it's going to be. Um, one name that I do know that you can cross off the list for the starting quarterback in 2023 is Brock Vandegrift at Georgia because the vote – at the SEC tournament among the SEC presidents, they did not vote to allow intra-conference uh, transfers past, mm-hmm. I think, there's a certain date in January that if you're an underclassman, you have to declare your intention. And then if you're uh, a grad transfer, there's a certain date in February. Well, he's going through spring practice at Georgia, mm-hmm. and he's not in the portal. So if he were to hit the portal and transfer to Auburn, he'd have to sit out 2023 either way. So I know that's a popular name that Auburn fans have mentioned a lot. 
I think that's pretty much off the table right now. Interesting. We'll see. Take care, Carter. Have a good day. Appreciate it, Terry. Thank you. Uh, That was Terry on the line. We appreciate Terry and Shane calling in. I do think that, uh, talking more about the quarterbacks, I think it's, I just have a hard time seeing the three guys currently on campus taking the first snap of the season in 2023 for Auburn. I just don't, I don't think Robbie Ashford uh, has shown enough improvement passing. He's a 49% passer last year. We know he was playing through injuries. We know he had um, an injury to his throwing hand. We know he had some shoulder issues. I understand all of that. But the early returns don't exactly inspire a lot of confidence for me that he's going to take that necessary step forward in 2023 and become the guy he needs to be to lead this team. TJ Finley, I'm not sold on him either. I don't think Holden Gurner is particularly close right now, and I am wondering if maybe he's dealing with some sort of nagging injury because, I mean, it's it's from all indications from people I've talked to, there's just not a lot of zip on the ball right now, and that's disappointing to see because he was somebody I really expected to take a significant step forward. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Maybe one of these three guys can change my mind over the course of the rest of the spring, but for right now, I do not think the starting quarterback for 2023 for the Auburn Tigers is on the roster. We need to get to our first break of our number two. When we come back, we will uh, go to some audio we have of Bruce Pearl previewing Iowa on On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show with Jacob Goins on the road calling Lee Scott basketball or baseball that starts here in about 10 minutes. Speaking of basketball, Auburn has their matchup Thursday with Iowa in the first round of the NCAA tournament uh, in the 8 versus 9 matchup at 5.50 p.m. on uh, in Birmingham, I think on TNT. I do think it'll be uh, Jim Nance and Bill Rafferty and that crew doing the game. But Bruce Pearl yesterday had some media availability where he previewed uh, the the matchup with Iowa, and we're going to throw to that and have him uh, give his thoughts about this Iowa team. What do I know now that I didn't know then? Um, I knew they were good. They're probably a better. I think they were a little better than I thought. Um, the front line with Rabacha and Murray. Um, maybe in a different way, maybe Kentucky's front line, um, you know, really bothered us. But uh, they're two of their leading scorers. Um, you know, first of all, Chris Murray is a pro, um, a full man that can score inside and out, and uh, just a terrific player. And again, I, I recruited his dad, his brother Keegan's in the NBA. I think he was a fourth player taken in the draft last year. Um, and his dad was such a great player at Iowa. Um, and then Rabacha just, he, he can score. They throw him the ball in the mid-post area. He can make plays, an outstanding pass, a really good basketball player. He's way quicker than, than he necessarily looks on tape. Um, 
so the front line is, you know, really, really good. Uh, coach's son, you know, Patrick, excuse me, he's got two sons, but Connor is a great playmaking, uh, four-to-one assist turnover ratio guy that just makes everybody else better. They're, 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 they're deep. Sanford's a key player for them coming off the bench. Um, you guys have got all the offensive numbers, so you know we'll be focusing a lot on on how to guard them. Um, uh, we try to defend a little bit like Iowa State defends, and Iowa State um, did not. You know, um, Iowa got them pretty good early in the season, and um, so we're looking at the things that they did well against Iowa State and some other teams that they they did really you know did really well against. So. Um, you know, shoot the ball from three, make eight a game, um, play fast. Like this is not your typical Big Ten team. They're physical, yes. They're the second leading offensive rebounding team and lay behind Purdue, yes. Um, so from the from the physical standpoint, they're a Big Ten team, but they play much faster. Uh, they're willing to get it down the floor and they're willing to take the first good shot. That's why they don't turn the ball over, but nine times a game. So. Um, and then really, really big guards, really, really long wings. Um, so, um, be uh, it'll be all we want. It'll be it'll be really key. Um, you know, putting ball pre putting pressure on the ball. You know, making them put the ball down the floor, but you know, not letting them blow by you. Gonna be really, really important. Coach, near the end of the season, you spoke about uh, the condition of the team, and you talked about guys just you know, kind of tired of the grind. Uh, it's going to be a week between games. Can you talk a little bit about how you yeah. use this week to? Yeah. Get rest of the you know, one of the things I mentioned yesterday, and it was really Stephen Stephen Pearl had mentioned this to me, and it's really two, and I don't I don't know that anybody's written about it yet. Not that I'm looking for it to be written about, but I, that was interesting. Thirty-one thousand miles traveled this year between Israel and Cancun and California. Um, and Texas A&M and West Virginia. It's just a lot of travel, um, a lot of late nights coming home. And so I do think, and then in a lot of close games and a lot of last of last second defeats. And so I, I do think that the, the, the team, um, you know, took, you know, had to get up off the mat a lot this year. And yet we pretty much were able to almost every time short of second half in Lexington. Um, that wears on you. Um, I do think that um, uh, what we've done since we came back was um, we traveled back Friday. We had a really hard practice on Saturday. We took yesterday off, and we'll work two days against Iowa. And uh, um, I think the guys are will be fresh and excited about playing now. I think there's there'll be some some new wind in their sails. And I think the other thing to emphasize is you know. This is the, the 12th NCAA tournament in 117 years of Auburn basketball. Mm -hmm. Our guys are excited about, you know, about making it. This is, it's, there are a lot of good teams that are been left home. And I do think the body of work has more than clearly, clearly been the, uh, uh, a contributing factor to who was in and who was not in. Um, you know, we, we ranked fourth in number of appearances against NCAA tournament teams. I mean, we've been talking about the schedule and talking about it, not complaining, but we've been talking about the challenges of our schedule. And, um, and so only Kansas 
and Texas and Baylor played more NCAA tournament teams than we did. There's a lot of attention on Iowa's offense, obviously. When you talk about defense, they do a lot of different things. What's they press, they zone press, they man press. Uh, they're good at it. They got they got really good length. I'm sure they'll try to bottle up Wendell Green and see if we can turn us over some. Um, they have some drop back, a really nice drop back matchup zone. It's a zone. It's a zone that we play some, so we're familiar with it. But again, they're big and long, and they they, they like it. Uh, they play it in crucial situations. They play it on short clocks. They play it out of timeouts, so they've got confidence in it. So we've got to we'll prepare for it. Bruce, uh, well, just one thing. Uh, the third one, that was it. Round trip or just single way? Or I'm sure that's all the travel. Okay. Round trip, yeah. <laughs> this one there, man, you, you've been to the tournament quite a few times. What are some of your just fonder memories of, obviously the Final Four run, but other than that, like, just your time going to the tournament? Well, I, it is clearly um, more fun for your, your family. <laughs> And the fans, um, we're working, you know. But it is, it is really exciting um, for the students and for your alumni and and for your fan base to be part of this, you know, March Madness. Um, you know, it takes one game, one win, to get to the final 32 teams. It takes two wins to get to Sweet 16. <laughs> now, to be able to beat, have to beat Iowa. And then either Northern Kentucky or Houston, um, that'll take some doing. But you know, it's just, uh, and because it is so hard to get into, it's really, it's really, 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 really special. Um, you know, '95 we won a national championship. '94 we finished second in the country. We lost in the championship game. I think advancing, you know, anytime, anytime we've advanced, uh, obviously you feel like, uh, you know. You just feel a great blessing from God and, and uh, knowing that was his plan and grateful for it. Yes, Bruce. Um, I think you talked about how much you think that played into the way you uh, defended, rebounded the last five or so games. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think so that was Bruce Pearl talking about uh, previewing the game against Iowa. Um, that Auburn has on Thursday uh, against the the eight seed Iowa, and as we talked about with Jack Hudden earlier, I really do feel like it's the best matchup Auburn could have gotten of the the eight seeds. If I had to pick one of the four, it's the one I would have chosen. Um, and you know, Auburn takes their ten and zero record uh, in the round of sixty four. Um, they have a chance to extend that to eleven and zero, as they've never lost in the first round before. Auburn's had a lot of success in that opening round of the tournament, uh, even as some lower seeds in the past. Um, and it'll be great to see this Auburn team in front of uh, a lot of orange and blue fans in Birmingham on Thursday. So looking forward to that. We'll, we'll, we will be talking about this game plenty more uh, before it takes place on Thursday. Uh, we need to get to our break here on On the Line. When we come back, Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network on On the Line. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz 
and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcome back to On the Line here in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show with Jacob Goins on the road. I guess his his first game of his doubleheader uh, of Lee Scott at Glenwood is taking place right now uh, as the game would have just started. We are joined on the phone lines by Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network. Brad, welcome. How are you? Carter, I am well. It's good to be with you. I hope you're well. I hope everybody else is well today. War Eagle. War Eagle, absolutely. Well, Brad, let's let's start with the biggest storyline around Auburn right now. Auburn getting the nine seed in the NCAA tournament. They're going to be in Birmingham in that first matchup against Iowa. What kind of an advantage is it for Auburn to just be two two hours up the road in an area where there's plenty of Auburn fans? Uh, what kind of an advantage does that give Auburn in a matchup like this in these first, uh, I guess, potential two rounds? I, I think the first win in the NCAA tournament is always the toughest because mm-hmm. you're getting used to the environment, and hopefully there's just sort of a – I, I think it's more psychological than physical because all these arenas are outfit to be neutral sites and, you know, your sight lines and depth perception and all that has to be dialed in no matter what neutral arena you go to. But psychologically, to bus there as opposed to fly there and for it to only be a couple-hour bus ride and to know, to know right now, to know as soon as you find out that you're going to go to Birmingham mm-hmm. that – you're going to have fans. You're going to have people there supporting you. I, I hope that's a psychological edge and that maybe that helps Auburn when it comes game time Thursday to, to play. Um, not you know, you got to play with urgency, but you can't play tight because, yeah. you know, a five-minute stretch where you play tight at the NCAA tournament, and that can sink you. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's all about a really good start, and I hope that psychologically uh, the geography helps Auburn too start well Thursday so when you look at the matchup against this Iowa team I mean how, how do you feel going into Thursday evening uh, against an Iowa team that is really good offensively but maybe not so great on the defensive end yeah I, I think that you have a couple of strengths working against each other I think that Auburn in spells this year its defense has been its strength its defense mm-hmm. has been its identity particularly against teams that shoot well uh, from mid-range and the outside, but don't particularly drive and finish. We we texted a little about this as soon as the matchup was announced. You've seen Iowa more than more than I have, mm-hmm. uh, but what I what I know and and what I've you know been able to research and, and see about them is they they have some outstanding shooters. They are one of the best at at uh, delivering or or moving the ball, best assist turnover ratio in the country. So they run their offense really crisply. What they don't do all that much is drive to the basket and finish. Now, maybe that's because they don't have to because they run their offense so well, they get open shots and they knock them down. Um, But I'm not the only one who has drawn. I've heard a couple of different analysts this week compare them more so to Missouri than other teams in the SEC. And that that just happened to be a matchup. Auburn played out of its mind when it hosted Missouri and its back was against the wall. Um, And and maybe Missouri was suffering the back end of a – tough travel trip but the matchup itself regardless of all that favored Auburn and I think that particular matchup if they can get out maybe extend their defense a little more on the perimeter close well don't switch screens stuff like that Mm -hmm. I I think that's that can work in Auburn's favor when it comes to defending 
Iowa's uh, expertise at shooting the ball and moving the ball in their offense. So I think that Auburn's defense against Iowa's offense, that's strength on strength. I think that although Auburn can be streaky offensively, when they're dialed in, um, I think that's a strength more. So I think the Auburn offense against the Iowa defense is a matchup that can be in Auburn's favor. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. And, and this this Iowa team has a lot of shooters, but I do think they can be a little bit of feast or famine because they're really middle of the, middle of the pack in three-point percentage in the country at 34.3%. And we know... Auburn's one of the better three-point defending teams in the country, but I do like what you were saying about this being a comparable matchup to Missouri for Auburn because there's not that um, very physical, big, strong uh, presence down low with this Iowa team. Phil Rebrach is a very good player, but that's he's not a an Oscar Sheebway or or even a, a Plavchich, somebody who's really big and will be really physical. How does that set up a guy like Janai Broom to potentially uh, be, be a difference maker in this matchup? Yeah, I hope it sets up well, Carter, because I, I, I think one of the keys to this game, too, is it always is in the NCAA tournament. And this is not trying to set up uh, an officials-only uh, uh, you know storyline here, but how games are officiated in the NCAA tournament makes a really big difference. Mm-hmm. I think that both teams will try to establish physicality underneath. How do the officials call the game? Are they going to let them bang a little bit, let them be physical on the inside? Um, or, you know, w- will they not? Um, we, we talked about the numbers a couple of weeks ago that Janai Broom um, got, had the lowest rate among SEC big men mm-hmm. of free throw attempts per two-point shot taken. So, is he going to go up strong and, and are officials going to call fouls or are they not when the other team goes up and, and he tries to block shots and he tries to establish physicality? And Jalen Williams, too. It's not just Janai. Jalen's got to be physical. Dylan's got to be physical. Allen and Chris Moore are going to have to, like, you're going to have to establish your physicality. How do the officials respond to that? And I think that goes a long way in kind of figuring out the flow of the game in the first half. And, and then the team's having to adjust to how the game's being called. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's not the only sporting event going on in Auburn this week or, I guess, in the Auburn Athletics world because it's, it's a pretty big week for Auburn Athletics. I know you're getting ready to uh, call Auburn versus Georgia Tech tonight in baseball. How do you see uh, this Auburn baseball team bouncing back from a tough Saturday where they dropped the series to southeastern Louisiana in a really big week where they take on Georgia Tech tonight and then they go on the road to Arkansas this weekend. Yeah, I, I like the fact that it's Georgia Tech tonight and not maybe a team that, that doesn't have the name that will get your attention because this is, a, you know, this uh, last year was the first year since 2014 these two teams didn't play, and I think it's maybe a little tougher to dial in the focus if it's somebody other than a game like this tonight since conference plays looming. Um, Auburn mm-hmm. is an injured team. They, they're, they're looking to get to 100%, and they're not 100% right now. So, you know, the, the double-edged sword in that is that it does provide opportunities. If, if Auburn doesn't have Cole Foster and Bobby Pierce and Cooper McMurray and you know, those guys in the lineup tonight, then, you know, does it give an opportunity? Yes, it continues to give opportunities to freshmen and Chris Sanfield and Caden Green and Gavin Miller at third base, these guys continue to get opportunities against teams like Georgia Tech, 
and southeastern Louisiana, which get them ready for conference play against Arkansas. But I, I don't know another sport, another division, another league schedule that is as demanding as the SEC West in baseball. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so Auburn, Auburn's going to start at Arkansas. They're eventually going to go to Ole Miss. They're eventually going to host LSU. Uh, they're going to host Mississippi State. They're going to play at Alabama this year. And that's just teams in the West. Um, so there, there isn't an opportunity for the roller coaster to sort of level out. It's just it's going to be, you know, you're tested every single weekend. So the games like this, especially because Auburn is injured and banged up right now, require your younger players who are playing maybe earlier or different roles than you thought they might be playing at this time of the year. Mm-hmm. It it gives them an opportunity to get ready for that conference schedule this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Auburn softball, they had a, um, a tough Saturday as well as they dropped the final two games in their series against Georgia. They have a big weekend coming up in Oklahoma City, taking on Weber State in game one then a really good Northwestern program in back-to-back games on Friday and Saturday, then the number one team in the country. How big is this weekend for Auburn softball, and how much of a measuring stick is it going to be for this team for the rest of the season? Yeah, I think particularly those first three games, uh, I think they're an opportunity for Auburn to go and win some games away from Jane B. Moorefield and to establish some more confidence going back. I think playing Oklahoma is just a different animal. It, it's just a totally different kind of, of of game for an Auburn team that's trying to get back up in the top half of the SEC. I think your first three games allow you an opportunity to build some confidence before you jump back into conference play. And Auburn against Georgia struggled offensively down the stretch, but they tagged Georgia's number one pitcher for four runs in the first inning of the first game, um, so much so that they didn't start her in, in, in the next mm-hmm. game like they probably would have otherwise. So it just got to establish consistent hitting, and that's, that's something that we've talked about the last several years. And uh, I think the pitching is there. The depth of the pitching staff is there. And if they can establish along this conference schedule, it's not easy to do in the SEC, but if you can establish some consistency at the plate, uh, then this is a team that you know can be in that conversation in the top half of the SEC. Yeah, Brad, when you when you look at some of the other events going on, Auburn women's basketball, their season continues in the WNIT. They host Tulane this week. What does it say about Coach Johnny Harris and what she's starting to build here in Auburn that this Auburn women's basketball program is playing in the postseason for, I believe, what, the first time in four seasons, I believe? Yes, first time in four. Yeah, 2019 was, was the last time they went out west in the NCAA tournament then. I think everybody – what it says to me is that the build is is happening as we thought that it might. Um, I think the realistic picture when Coach Jay took over was that it would be a process and that to do it the right way um, might not happen as fast as you've seen it happen at some other places. But, uh, but it's on schedule. So, mm-hmm. you know, we all want when we build a house, sometimes we, we you know, we go, we drive by the build site and – and it doesn't seem like the, the walls are going up or they should be up by now or the, the roof should be on by now. And the contractor tells you, no, we're, we're on schedule. We're absolutely on schedule, and I think that's what you see. So year one, you get some wins over top 25 teams unexpectedly. Uh, year two, with some injuries uh, and, and leaning on a lot of youngsters with just a couple of veterans leading the way, I think uh, an NIT bid is, is on schedule. And so you look for continued improvement, but – 
another chance to extend the season, get more practices under their belt, and uh, and and see what they can do in front of the home crowd Friday night. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting uh, week for Auburn Athletics. I mean, gymnastics is also in the SEC Championship over in yeah. Georgia this week. Uh, I mean, has there been a bigger, I guess, week with so many events in, I guess, recent Auburn history than this week right now? You know, it's a good question. I was trying to think um, back during that 2019 Final Four run, I can remember listening to softball against Tennessee, baseball against, I don't remember who it was. It wasn't Texas A&M, but it was somebody in, in league play and uh, but but you're right. You didn't have the other sports going on then too. Yeah, women's basketball in the NCAA tournament then. But it's yeah, mm-hmm. weeks like this are rare, and they're not to be taken for granted. Find a way to Absolutely. support some team that's close to you, and and take it in and enjoy it for exactly what it is. Well, Brad, we appreciate you joining us here today on on the line. I know you got a broadcast that you got to be uh, preparing for. So where can where can everybody keep up with you and the, and the games that you're going to be calling and uh, all of the Auburn Sports Network events of this week? Yeah, I would say go to auburntigers.com. Make sure you've got the the Auburn app, the, the game day app, downloaded. You can listen to baseball, softball, women's basketball. Can't listen to men's basketball in the NCAA tournament on the app. You got to find your local radio station for that. But uh, we're we're uh, yeah, that, that's a soapbox for a different day. But for everything else, make sure you have the app downloaded and, and auburntigers.com. Get that schedule and follow the Tigers. Well, Brad, we, we appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we can uh, have you back on soon to talk about some, some success here uh, of this wonderful week in Auburn athletics. Anytime, Carter, anytime. It's a pleasure. Appreciate it, Brad. That was Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network here on On the Line. We need to get to our final break of uh, the Tuesday edition of On the Line. When we come back, we will wrap up the show and get you ready for the drive. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Welcome back to On the Line, the final segment of On the Line here today in the Auburn Network studio. Carter Bird solo in the show with uh, Jacob Goins is currently probably somewhere in the second inning of calling a baseball game over at Glenwood um, for um, Lee Scott as they have a doubleheader here today. Uh, so we wish him luck for it with that as well. Uh, we had some great guests today. Jack Hudden called in, and uh, we talked a little Auburn athletics. And then Brad Law of the Auburn Sports Network talked about the great week that is ahead for Auburn athletics uh, in baseball, softball, gymnastics, and, of course, uh, men's and women's basketballs. Both Auburn basketball teams are playing uh, in the postseason for the first time since 2019, uh, the women's team will take on Tulane uh, in the WNIT, and the men on Thursday take on Iowa in what's sure to be a, a great matchup uh, between two very evenly matched teams. They've been very close to each other in the Ken Palm, um, Iowa's 37th, um, Auburn is 29th. I think they're even closer in the um, net rankings, and I'm excited. I think Iowa right now is considered 
about a half point favorite. One or no, actually, it switched that uh, over the course of today. Auburn is now a one point favorite uh, against Iowa on Thursday. It's going to be an interesting matchup. Two teams that uh, I think feel that they match up well with each other. Uh, I think Iowa thinks that uh, when they look at Iowa fans, I've already seen, thinks, think this Auburn team does not shoot well from the outside, and that favors them uh, and their poor three-point defense. Uh, I, even though Auburn has shot the ball a lot better down the stretch here, and you look at the other side of it, Iowa does not have those big, physical, dominant big men uh, that Auburn has struggled with this year. I think this is a game that sets up well for Jalen Williams and Janai Broom to uh, play well. Jalen Williams needs it after what was a pretty rough game uh, last Thursday against Arkansas, going one of six from the field uh, with just six points. He did go four of four at the free throw line. But this Auburn team, I think you're going to see them motivated again. I do wonder if we see... Um, that kind of backed-in-the-corner wounded animal mode where they come out swinging, come out firing, um, and give this Iowa team their best shot. We, we saw that down the stretch when they had to win one of the Alabama game in Coleman Coliseum or the Tennessee game at home to end the year. They, they played their best basketball of the year that week. They got it done against uh, Tennessee, clinched the NCAA tournament, um, and then we saw them in Nashville in the SEC tournament maybe have a slower start. So I do wonder if that loss to Arkansas, with especially with how close, how they closed, how they took the lead with a little over a minute left, um, if taking that loss the way that they did, uh, Arkansas being more physical, has Auburn really challenge uh, the coaches and everybody if they come out um, – feeling like they need to set the tone physically in this matchup with Iowa. I'm really excited uh, to get these tournament games underway. We've got a couple games uh, in the first four getting going here in just a little bit. Uh, the first one being the 16-seed matchup tonight between Southeastern Missouri, Southeast Missouri State and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Crispy. Christy, holy cow. Uh, and Pitt and Mississippi State. And what's going to be that second one? I'm really excited about. Uh, those are two teams that I've seen play a few times. Uh, that Pitt team, not a lot was expected of them this year. They've been pretty, pretty scrappy. Uh, this Mississippi State team is in the year one under Chris Jans. Um, they can show up and be physical. They didn't look great last time out, where they got blown out by Alabama. I'm curious to see if they show up motivated, ready to play in that matchup. But either way, very excited to get the NCAA tournament going as it's one of the most exciting uh, time periods in all of sports. Uh, everybody loves March Madness. Um, everybody's going to try to pick that perfect bracket. I don't think it's going to happen for anybody because the odds are like some crazy double-digit trillion to the one chance that you uh, predict a, a perfect bracket. If you also want to keep an eye on the NIT games, a couple NCAA tournament snubs are going to be in action tonight, Rutgers and Vanderbilt. Uh, Jelly Walker and UAB play Southern Miss as well. But don't forget about that Auburn-Georgia Tech game tonight on the Auburn Sports Network. That's sure to be a, a really good matchup between two very good baseball programs uh, who faced off in the postseason here recently. When Auburn went to uh, Omaha 
the first time of these two two runs in a row, uh, not in a row, but in a short span, they went to Atlanta and they won the Georgia Tech Regional uh, thanks to a Stephen Williams home run. It'll be a great matchup between these two teams tonight. Uh, and what's a big week for Auburn Athletics? A lot of teams in action. That's going to do it for today's episode of On the Line. Uh, the drive will be coming up next, but uh, we will see you here back tomorrow. Tomorrow.